part eight master martin the cooper and his journeyman section seven from weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part eight master martin the cooper and his journeyman section seven meanwhile it was becoming extremely lively in master martin's workshop in order to execute all his orders he had engaged with ordinary labours and taken in some apprentices and they all hammered and knocked till the din could be heard far and wide reinholt had finished his calculations and measurements for the great cask that was to be built for the bishop of bamberg whilst frederick and conrad had set it up so cleverly that master martin's heart laughed in his body and he cried again and again now that i call a grand piece of work that'll be the best little cask i've ever made except my masterpiece now the three apprentices stood driving the hoops on to the fitted staves and the whole place rang again with the din of their mallets old valentine was busy plying his draw-knife and dame martha her two youngest on her knee sat just behind conrad whilst the other wide-awake little rascals were shouting and making a noise tumbling the hoops about and chasing each other in fact there was so much hubbub and so much vigorous hard work going on that hardly anybody noticed old herr johannes holzschuer as he stepped into the shop master martin went to meet him and politely inquired what he desired why in the first place said holzschuer i want to have a look at my dear frederick again who is working away so lustily yonder and then goodman master martin i want a stout cask for my wine cellar which i will ask you to make for me why look you that cask they are now setting up there is exactly the sort of thing i want you can let me have that you've only got to name the price reinholt who had grown tired and had been resting a few minutes down in the shop and was now preparing to ascend the scaffolding again heard holzschuer's words and said turning his head towards the old gentleman marry my friend herr holzschuer you need not set your heart upon this cask we are making it for his lordship the bishop of bamberg master martin his arms folded on his back his left foot planted forward his head thrown back in his neck blinked at the cask and said proudly my dear master you might have seen from the carefully selected wood and the great pains taken in the work that a masterpiece like that was meant for a prince's cellar my journeyman reinholt has said the truth don't set your heart on a piece of work like that but when the vintage is over i will get you a plain strong little cask made such as will be suitable for your cellar old holzschuer incensed at master martin's pride replied that his gold pieces weighed just as much as the bishop of bamberg's and that he hoped he could get good work elsewhere for ready money master martin although fuming with rage controlled himself with difficulty he would not by any means like to offend old herr holzschuer who stood so high in the esteem both of the council and of all the burghers at this moment conrad struck mightier blows than ever with his mallet so that the whole shop rang and cracked then master martin's internal rage boiled over and he shouted vehemently conrad you blockhead what do you mean by striking so blindly and heedlessly do you mean to break my cask in pieces 
ho ho replied conrad looking round defiantly at his master ho ho my comical little master and why should i not and therewith he dealt such a terrible blow at the cask that the strongest hoop sprang rattling and knocked reinholt down from the narrow plank on the scaffolding and it was further evident from the hollow echo that a stave had been broken as well completely mastered by his furious anger master martin snatched out of valentine's hand the bar he was shaving and striding towards the cask dealt conrad a good sound stroke with it on the back shouting you cursed dog as soon as conrad felt the blow he wheeled sharply round and after standing for a moment as if bereft of his senses his eyes blazed up with fury he ground his teeth and screamed struck struck then at one bound he was down from the scaffolding had snatched up an adze that lay on the floor and aimed a powerful stroke at his master had not frederick pulled martin on one side the blow would have split his head as it was the adze only grazed his arm from which however the blood at once began to spurt out martin fat and helpless as he was lost his equilibrium and fell over the bench at which one of the apprentices was working into the floor they all threw themselves upon conrad who was frantic flourishing his bloody adze in the air and shouting and screaming in a terrible voice let him go to hell to hell with him hurling them all off with the strength of a giant he was preparing to deal a second blow at his poor master who was gasping for breath and groaning on the floor a blow that would have completely done for him when rose pale as a corpse with fright appeared in the shop door as soon as conrad observed her he stood as if turned to a pillar of stone the adze suspended in the air then he threw the tool away from him struck his hands together upon his chest and cried in a voice that went to everybody's heart oh good god good god what have i done and away he rushed out of the shop no one thought of following him now poor master martin was after some difficulty lifted up it was found however that the adze had only penetrated into the thick fleshy part of the arm and the wound could not therefore be called serious old herr holtschur whom martin had involved with him in his fall was pulled out from beneath the shavings and dame martha's children who ceased not to scream and cry over good father martin were appeased as far as that could be done as for martin himself he was quite dazed and said if only that devil of a bad journeyman had not spoilt his fine cask he should not make much account of the wound sedan chairs were brought for the old gentleman for holtschur also had bruised himself rather in his fall he hurled reproaches at a trade in which they employed such murderous tools and conjured frederick to come back to his beautiful art of casting and working in the precious metals and the sooner the better as soon as the dusk of evening began to creep up over the sky frederick and along with him reinholt whom the hoop had struck rather sharply and who felt as if every limb was benumbed strode back into the town in very low spirits then they heard a soft sighing and groaning behind a hedge they stood still and a tall figure at once rose up they immediately recognized conrad and began to withdraw timidly but he addressed them in a tearful voice saying you need not be so frightened at me my good comrades 
of course you take me for a devilish murderous brute but i am not indeed i am not so i could not do otherwise i ought to have struck down the fat old master and by rights i ought to go along with you and do it now if only i could but no no it's all over remember me to pretty rose whom i love so above all reason tell her i will bear her flowers on my heart all my life long i will adorn myself with them when i but she will perhaps hear of me again some day farewell farewell my good brave comrades and conrad ran away across the field without once stopping reinhold said there is something peculiar about this young fellow we can't weigh or measure this deed by any ordinary standard perhaps the future will unfold to us the secret that has lain heavy upon his breast reinhold leaves master martin's house if formerly there had been merry days in master martin's workshop so now they were proportionately dull reinhold incapable of work remained confined to his room martin his wounded arm in a sling was incessantly abusing the good-for-nothing stranger apprentice and railing at him for the mischief he had wrought rose and even dame martha and her children avoided the scene of the rash savage deed and so frederick's blows fell dull and melancholy enough like a woodcutter's in a lonely wood in winter-time for to frederick it was now left to finish the big cask alone and a hard task it was and soon his mind and heart were possessed by a profound sadness for he believed he had now clear proofs of what he had for a long time feared he no longer had any doubt that rose loved reinhold not only had she formerly shown many a kindness to reinhold alone and to him alone given many a sweet word but now it was as plain as noonday since reinhold could no longer come to work rose too no longer thought of going out but preferred to stay indoors no doubt to wait upon and take good care of her lover on sundays when all the rest set out gaily and master martin who had recovered to some extent of his wound invited him to walk with him and rose to the allerwiese he refused the invitation but burdened with trouble and the bitter pain of disappointed love he hastened off alone to the village and the hill where he had first met with reinhold he threw himself down in the tall grass where the flowers grew and as he thought how that the beautiful star of hope which had shone before him all along his homeward path had now suddenly set in the blackness of night after he had reached his goal and as he thought how that this step which he had taken was like the vain efforts of a dreamer stretching out his yearning arms after an empty vision of air the tears fell from his eyes and dropped upon the flowers which bent their little heads as if sorrowing for the young journeyman's great unhappiness without his being exactly conscious of it the painful sighs which escaped his labouring breast assumed the form of words of musical notes and he sang this song my star of hope where hast thou gone alas thy glory rises up thy glory sweet far from me now and pours its light on others down ye rustling evening breezes rouse you blow on my breast awake all joy that kills awake all pain that brings to death so that my sore and bleeding heart steeped to the core in bitter tears may break in yearning comfortless 
why whisper ye ye darksome trees so softly and like friends together and why o golden skirts of sky look ye so kindly down on me show me my grave for that is now my haven of hope where i shall calmly softly sleep and as it often happens that the very greatest trouble if only it can find vent in tears and words softens down into a gentle melancholy mild and painless and that often a faint glimmer of hope appears then in the soul so it was with frederick when he had sung this song he felt wonderfully strengthened and comforted the evening breezes and the darksome trees that he had called upon in his song rustled and whispered words of consolation and like the sweet dreams of distant glory or of distant happiness golden streaks of light worked their way up across the dusky sky frederick rose to his feet and went down the hill into the village he almost fancied that reinholt was walking beside him as he did on the day they first found each other and all the words which reinholt had spoken again recurred to his mind and as his thoughts dwelt upon reinholt's story about the contest between the two painters who were friends then the scales fell from his eyes there was no doubt about it reinholt must have seen rose before and loved her it was only his love for her which had brought him to nuremberg to master martin's and by the contest between the two painters he meant simply and solely their own reinholt's and frederick's rival wooing a beautiful rose the words that reinholt had then spoken rang again in his ears honest contention for the same prize without any malicious reserve ought to unite true friends and knit their hearts still closer together instead of setting them at variance there should never be any place in noble minds for petty envy or malicious hatred yes exclaimed frederick aloud yes friend of my heart i will appeal to you without any reserve you yourself shall tell me if all hope for me is lost end of part eight section seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine